0: Hello and hello to everyone, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Not Me, Not Today podcast. How are you?
1: Hey, hey guys. I'm great, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks for all the feedback over the last months, everyone. We really appreciate it. We've had a lot of messages and emails about our Shorty episodes, and we're so glad you like them all. Keep an eye out for more in the future. So, it's time for a survival story that's very close to my heart, as I'm a big fan of this person it's about.
1: This is so weird being on the other side of the storytelling, but also really exciting. So... Kenny what's the story?
0: Today's story is about Travis Barker. He survived a plane crash in 2008 and he's still alive today to tell the tale. I'm going to explain a little bit about Travis's life his career and the days leading up to the incident which I will cover in detail I will also talk about what he's done with his life after the ordeal.
1: This sounds so good let's get right into this.
0: Travis Barker was born in Fontana California in 1975. His father Randy was a mechanic and his mother Gloria held down the fort at home and looked after the kids and also worked as a babysitter. Travis was the youngest child as he had two older sisters. Travis was always into music and had a passion for it from an early age. At four years old, his mum bought him his first drum kit and that's where it all started. His first hero was Animal from The Muppet Show.
1: He was one of the best drummers of all time.
0: He was. I was also a gonzo and zoot man (laughs) myself. Nice. The first song Travis learned on the drums was Jump by Van Halen. As well as music, Travis was into skateboarding, as most kids in California were at the time. He also dabbled in surfing. Skateboards were his preferred mode of transport, but he always dreamed of owning a Cadillac or a classic American car. He had a fear of flying. He was on a flight with his mum for a trip and she was very scared and uncomfortable, and that really traumatised him. Travis said from a young age that he believed he would die in a plane crash. No matter what sparked his interests, whether that be Cadillacs, surfing, or the gigs and shows of the California punk rock scene, he always came back to the drums. He was lucky enough to be taught by jazz drummer Michael Mai, who introduced him to a variety of musical genres and drumming techniques. If you know Barker's style in the drums that we hear today, there's a massive influence of jazz rhythms, but also military drumming, as he's got one of the best drum rolls in the game. He can also play a hip-hop beat better than any drum machine in existence.
1: His drum rolls are insane.
0: Yeah. He also later took the technique called a flam and made them into power flams, doubling and quadrupling the number of beats. He has some serious skills. Travis got his next drum kit at age 15. Afterwards, he left high school and worked locally as a trash collector in the Laguna Beach area. This is not what he wanted to do, so he networked with people in the area and in the local punk rock scene and played with bands like Snot and Feeble in 1993 and 1994. Still working as a trash man, Travis joined the Aquabats with his friend Chad Larson and began to play shows around the west coast of America. In 1997, the Aquabats were on tour with a punk rock trio called Blink 182 and their original drummer Scott Rayner, who shortly left after that before some booked shows they had in 1998. Travis was hired as their replacement drummer and he had to learn a 20-track setlist in just under one hour, to the amazement of the other two members of Blink. This is around the time of their Dude Ranch album.
1: Oh, I always thought he was in the band from day one for some reason.
0: Yeah, well, it didn't take long once they heard him. Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge from Blink said that Travis's drumming actually made them better at their respective instruments.
1: I bet they had to keep up.
0: (laughs) They did. Within a few songs, people were saying, this is the sound. This is how they should sound. And also mainly, this is the new Blink. And it was. After a short stint of playing with the Vandals in 1998, in the absence of their drummer, Josh Freese, Travis became a full-time member of Blink-182. And in 1999, they released their album Enema of the State and their fame exploded from there. I mean, everyone knows all the small things and What's My Age Again, they're anthems now. Back then, they were the new sound of a new generation, taking all the influences from the punk rock past and putting their own spin on it with some comedy thrown in there too, to remind us all, you know, don't take life too seriously. A real solid pop-punk record.
1: I love those songs, and I love that album.
0: So do I. It brings back so many memories. I love the song Mutt on there.
1: That was the soundtrack to American Pie, right?
0: It was, and from the soundtrack to my life. <laughs> to say they achieved global success would be an understatement. Enema of the State smashed records, and Billboard described the record as short, to the point, and bristling with attitude. A lot of their diehard fans felt they sold out, though. By appearing on mainstream television and their music videos taking such a comedy turn, others felt that they'd made their big break and were supportive, as you'd expect to be. Unlike his upbringing and during his job as a waste collector, Travis finally had money to eat, live his life, and enjoy new hobbies like art and restoring old Cadillacs. In 2000, Blink went on to play a huge tour called The Mark, Tom, and Travis Show, where they recorded a great live album during those shows and they released it shortly afterwards. It's still a great listen to this day and it's got some funny moments in between the songs. Travis actually broke his finger and had to sit out the end of that tour. Ouch. Yeah. After the release of their album Take Off Your Pants and Jacket in 2001, Travis married Melissa Kennedy, but they got divorced only nine months later. Rock and roll marriage? 100%. The cover of this album included three logos, one for each band member, a jacket, a pair of pants, and an airplane. Due to his serious fear of planes, and all things aircraft, that I mentioned before, Travis was adamant that his logo would not be the plane. Subsequently, it was, much to his horror. Travis wasn't really a drinker, but he got drunk once with his manager and just started telling him that he was convinced he was going to die in a plane crash.
1: Wow, the worry of it just pouring out of his subconscious.
0: I know. His manager said, what are you talking about? But Travis was serious about it. He even said he used to have dreams about plane crashes. During this time, the band were working on their own side projects. Uh, Tom DeLonge started recording with his band Boxcar Racer, and Travis lends his hand on some tracks, as Tom didn't want to fork out for a session drummer that wouldn't be as good as Mr Barker himself.
1: (laughs) That makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. At that time, Travis worked on a rock rap record by The Transplants, another personal favourite of mine, which just reminds me of that early 2000s rock scene. He also worked on a hip-hop record with Puff Daddy called Bad Boy for Life, paying homage to a deceased member of the label, The Notorious B.I.G., which again received critical acclaim. During this time, Travis was in a relationship with ex-Miss USA, Shanna Moakler, and they had their son Landon at the end of 2003. They got engaged in 2004, around the same time that Travis established his own record label, clothing and footwear brands. He was doing well. They got married in October 2004, in a Nightmare Before Christmas-themed wedding.
1: Amazing! What a great idea. I can only imagine some of the outfits.
0: I oh know, that would have been so cool. After the wedding, Travis and Shanna had a baby daughter, Alabama.
1: Oh, that's so nice. So he has two kids?
0: Yeah, so Travis and Shanna have two kids. He was also the stepfather to Shanna's first daughter, Atiana, who she had with the boxer Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, Travis is still close to Atiana today. So... Shanna and Travis have welcomed Alabama into their home, when shortly after this, they also invited a camera and production crew into their home to film a reality show called Meet the Barkers, which I actually watched back then. It was pretty good, but I could sense that he didn't want the cameras there most of the time.
1: Well, these shows destroy so many relationships. This is where these shows were fairly new, though, so the Barkers aren't really to blame, I guess.
0: Yeah, it probably sounded like a great idea at the time. I'm also sure the money they were offered was pretty nice. Well, like a lot of couples in the celebrity limelight, the couple split up in 2006. Travis found it really hard to cope and was reliant on marijuana and prescription painkillers to get over the guilt of making a broken home for his children and for the failure of his marriage.
1: Oh, that's so sad.
0: I know. He kept healthy in a physical sense and was eating well as a vegetarian, but Travis was in a bad way mentally. During this time, he was functioning. He kept remarkably busy, collaborating with other artists in different genres, and this is where he met Adam Goldstein. Adam Goldstein, aka DJ AM, plays a part in this story, so I'll just explain a little bit about him. Okay. Adam, DJ A.M. Goldstein, was born in Philadelphia in 1973.
1: So, two years older than Travis. Yes.
0: His parents, Herbert and Andrea Goldstein, had issues conceiving children, and they adopted their first daughter, Lara. Shortly afterwards, Andrea caught Herbert in bed with another man and left him, met someone else, and became pregnant with Adam. Andrea went back with Herbert while pregnant and discovered he was having another similar affair, and that's when she explained to him that he wasn't the father of her unborn son. Due to this, Adam's father was very abusive towards him throughout his childhood and openly used drugs and binged on alcohol in front of him from an early age. Adam got into drinking, smoking and had an eating disorder which led to obesity when he was about 10 or 11 years old. This early introduction to the world of drugs and booze sent Adam into a series of issues, including going to rehab when he was just 16 and moving on to harder drugs and substances when he was 20. I just wanted to give you an all an idea of his background, really, because I think it's really relevant as we move through the story and into his later life.
1: So his father resented him because he wasn't his biological son?
0: Exactly. The bottom line is, Adam was a DJ, a turntablist, and he was actually heavily influenced by seeing Herbie Hancock perform his epic tune Rocket on TV. He joined the band Crazy Town in 1999 as their DJ, and he contributed to the song Butterfly, which is their biggest hit. They used a sample from the Red Hot Chili Peppers song Pretty Little Ditty as the main essence of that track. The song made it to number one in the charts in the year 2000 across quite a few countries.
1: Butterfly by Crazy Town? I love that song. Come, my lady, come, come, my lady, <laughs> come, my butterfly, sugar baby. <laughs> yes, that's the one.
0: What a track. Adam was sober for a lot of his time in the band, uh, but he left a year later due to their drug habits and their growing issues within the group. He was having serious problems with his weight at the time. In 2003, he weighed around 147 kilos, around 23 stone, 324 pounds that is. He had a gastric bypass surgery and he lost around 40% of his weight in a year.
1: Wow, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. He got himself back on track and started producing albums and DJing events for celebrities and people in the music industry. He produced Neighbourhood Watch by the Dilated Peoples in 2004, which I just feel is a very noteworthy album for any hip-hop fans out there. Moving on to 2006 into 2007, and this is where we catch up to Travis's story timeline now. DJ AM was resident DJ at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. A pretty decent gig, I'd say. Just a bit. Mm. This is around the time where Travis and Adam met and started collaborating under the name TRV, dollar sign, DJ AM, or Travis DJ AM. Nice. Yeah. So we're in 2008 now, just to catch everyone up. Travis Barker is producing albums, working on a variety of styles, and he starts collaborating with DJ AM. They got a pretty big following right away on MySpace and released a mixtape called Fix Your Face, which was DJ AM on the turntables, mixing and blending, you know, combinations of old rock riffs, dance tunes and funky bass lines, and Travis was playing some really unreal drum beats over the top. They could basically play any genre together. They started getting bookings off the back of this mixtape, and they performed a short set at the 2008 MTV Video Music Awards, the VMAs, which I do remember being pretty mad. A quote from Travis here, our little duo of drummer and DJ reached heights we never thought were possible. Travis and Adam were booked to perform a college event in South Carolina on September 19th, 2008. They were really excited about the show and the trip in general. Travis invited his ex-wife Shanna, but she felt uneasy about leaving their children for a few days and felt some weird feeling about the trip, so he invited his security guard and friend along for the ride as he thought he would have a good time. When I said Shana had an uneasy feeling about the trip, it was mainly due to their three-year-old daughter, Alabama, being hysterical, begging and pleading with her dad not to leave and not to fly and not to go on that trip. She was screaming, saying, please don't fly. No planes. The roof is going to fall off. They couldn't work out what triggered this, but Travis had the commitment made and he was going on that trip, despite his own fears of taking to the skies.
1: That's so weird.
0: Yeah. He asked Shana if they had an earthquake or anything that night or anything. And she said, no, Alabama's just keeps saying the roof of the plane is going to come off.
1: Wow. What a premonition.
0: With his fear of flying going on anyway, to say it freaked him out was an understatement. The plane they boarded was a Learjet 60 business jet. There were six people on board. Pilot Sarah Lemon, co-pilot James Bland, Shay Still, who was Travis's security guard and friend, Chris Baker, who was Travis's assistant, Travis Barker and Adam, DJ A.M. Goldstein. After performing the show, the plane was taking off from Columbia Metropolitan Airport in South Carolina and was scheduled to land in Van Noose, California later that night. During the takeoff, Travis heard an explosion. He said it felt like someone shot a gun right next to his head. On the CVR, the cockpit voice recorder, the pilot indicates she's reacting to the apparent sound of a burst tyre and she's attempting a rejected takeoff. Pieces of a tyre were found at the crash site. There was no flight data recorder on board. The National Transportation Safety Board's report attributed the accident to tyre bursts during takeoff and the pilot's resulting decision to abort at high speed. Several tyres were severely underinflated and punctured during takeoff. These are some details that I got from the report after the accident. The captain aborted at 144 knots, that's 267 kilometres an hour, 166 miles per hour. The normal operating procedure for the Learjet 60 is to never abort above the go no-go decision speed, which for this particular takeoff was 136 knots, that's 252 kilometers per hour or 157 miles per hour. The co-pilot can be heard saying the appropriate go 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 on the CVR. A contributing factor was the engines given full power even though the pilots were applying reverse thrust. The reason for this was the aircraft's air-ground sensor was damaged by debris and caused the sensor to go into air mode. Oh dear. Yep. The investigators also found that the captain had limited experience in the Learjet 60 and that the company's tyre pressure inspections were inadequate. So this jet is out of control. Flames were coming out of the plane.
1: Sounds terrifying, like a nightmare.
0: This is Travis experiencing his worst nightmare in real life. He also admitted he'd taken drugs before boarding the plane and was wide awake during the whole ordeal.
1: The worst trip of his life.
0: Due to this complication, it sent the plane's mechanisms into a chaotic, uncontrollable state. The plane was flying up and then crashing back down to the ground. On each impact, more flames, more smoke and more intensity. The plane would rise up and then crash back down, up and down, up and down. The Learjet crashed through the gate of the airfield, which shredded and ripped through some of the plane and the wings. While the plane continued to rise and plummet, it broke through a wall straight across the nearby highway and crashed into an embankment on the other side.
1: Did it hit any cars on the highway?
0: Luckily not. Had this been during the day, it probably would have been a different kind of accident. Before the last impact, the plane was like a ball of fire in the sky. Travis had a seatbelt on, which he took off quickly after the last impact. He realised they'd stopped and they had very little time to get out. Smoke and flames engulfed the cabin. Travis crawled to the front of the plane to try and help anyone, but he could only see Adam moving. The others were motionless. Travis opened the emergency door of the plane and jumped down to the ground. By doing so, he covered his feet and legs in jet fuel. Travis was on fire. Adam said he looked out and saw Travis burning, and the flames were spreading fast. Travis was running away and trying to put his burning clothes out and take them off. When Adam stepped out the door, he tried to avoid the fuel and ran behind Travis to catch up to him, away from the burning wreckage.
1: Oh my god, it's actually unbelievable that they survived that.
0: It really is. A man saw this and pulled over on the highway. Travis remembers this man was approaching them and shouting at them to get down, to drop and roll. Travis remembered being taught this at school, but he never thought he would actually be dropping to the ground and rolling, hitting at his limbs to put out the flames that just seemed relentless as the burns became more and more severe. When the man got closer, he saw Travis and Adam frantically trying to hit the flames out of their clothes and remove as much of them as they could. Other people came to their help too, but Travis and Adam just kept telling them there was four others on the plane. As Adam helped Travis remove his burning clothes, Adam's arm caught fire, and also the hair on the back of his head burning into his scalp.
1: I can't imagine the feeling of fear and panic of having to beat the flames out of your friend and then catching them yourself at the same time.
0: Apparently, it was back and forth like this until the flames eventually went out.
1: You'd think after all that rolling on the ground and beating the flames out that it wouldn't take that long.
0: It was the jet fuel that soaked into everything that just kept burning and spreading.
1: That's really scary stuff.
0: Yeah, it really is. Paramedics arrived on the scene and they rushed Travis and Adam to the hospital. The pilot Sarah, co-pilot James, Shay and Chris died in the crash. When Travis got to the nearest hospital in South Carolina, 65% of his body had third-degree burns, For anyone who's maybe heard of third degree burns but wonder what those metrics mean exactly, a first degree or superficial burn heals quickly and naturally because our bodies are able to replace the skin cells that have been damaged. Second degree or deep second and full thickness burns require a skin graft. This skin graft surgery allows quick healing and minimal scarring. In the case of larger or deeper burns, they would be third degree. They require multiple surgeries and in the case of Travis Barker, the surgical team used a pig cadaver as grafts for the burns. These are called homographs, a temporary skin cover to cover the intense burn wounds.
1: That's so interesting. They can't touch fabric or have sheets or anything on them, can they?
0: Normally not. They normally lay naked and they aren't able to have things on them apart from the pig skin itself. Travis mentioned in an interview that when you have burns as bad as he had, you have to be scrubbed with a metal brush onto the burns to rid them of any infection.
1: Oh, that sounds so painful.
0: Brutal. Travis said he'd never experienced so much pain in his whole life because he had a history of using drugs and prescription painkillers and had built up a tolerance to standard medicines. He actually woke up several times out of his anaesthetic during his operations on his burns.
1: Now that's everyone's worst nightmare. It's so fascinating how the human body works.
0: It really is. During this time, Travis wanted to die. He didn't want to be left unable to walk, unable to play the drums, and he felt he'd never be the same again. He actually called a few people and offered them a million dollars to kill him and put him out of his misery. He said, medical officials had to take my phone out of my room because I was making these phone calls. I would call friends of mine and go, you know, I'll deposit a million dollars into whoever's bank account. Like, I'm done.
1: I don't blame him.
0: Adam Goldstein also suffered third degree burns on his arm and the back of his head. But he was released on September 26th, 2008. He was in for a week. Wow. Travis was in hospital, however, for 11 weeks in total. His blood transfusions lasted for six to eight hours at a time and he had numerous skin grafts. There was a moment where the amputation of his foot was considered, as there wasn't enough skin on his body for grafting. If you've seen Travis Barker before, you'll know he is covered in tattoos from head to toe. His tattoos are a collection of stories and memories from his whole life, like most people's. All the tattoos on his leg were gone. His legs were formerly covered in them.
1: Oh wow, that's so crazy. A blank canvas now though, with a whole new story and meaning of its own.
0: Yeah, it is, on a very positive note. Well, as I mentioned before, Travis was a vegetarian. During his recovery, though, he ate a lot of meat for the protein to help rebuild the skin cells. And it really worked. And he actually went full on vegan when he left the hospital, though. (laughs) Luckily, Travis recovered very well and and started playing the drums again by the end of 2008. He said in an interview with MTV, I'm already playing my drums again and already back in the studio. He said that being back in the studio playing drums was like riding a bike. And within a few adjustments to the setup, he was really excited to show that he still had the skills, his chops and his paraflams were intact. He was really thankful for being able to play again and do what he loved. Earlier in the year, DJ AM was booked to DJ at Jay-Z's New Year's Eve party. Jay-Z assumed that due to the plane crash, Adam wouldn't be able to make the show. Adam assured him that he would be there. Even with a huge burn on his arm and at the back of his head, he played that New Year's Eve party. He was also joined by Travis, who performed alongside him for some of the songs.
1: Wow, that is unreal. I know,
0: in all that short space of time as well.
1: What a recovery.
0: In early 2009, Travis and Adams sued the plane owners, Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, as well as the company responsible for airport maintenance. The suit claimed negligence on the parts of the pilot and a manufacturing defect on the part of the plane. Adam Goldstein asked for damages for pain and suffering, mental anguish, disfigurement and loss of earnings. The settlement amount was kept undisclosed. Blink-182 announced a return to music at the 2009 Grammys at the Staples Center in Los Angeles in February. Throughout the spring and early summer of 09, Travis worked with Eminem, Slash from Guns N' Roses, and he produced a lot of tracks and remixes for various producers across multiple genres. To say he was in full flow again would be the best way to put it. Meanwhile, DJ AM made a cameo appearance in Marvel's Iron Man 2 as the DJ at Tony Stark's birthday party. Robert Downey Jr. liked him so much that he asked him to stick around and DJ in between takes nice adam then joined a show on mtv as the host called gone too far in 2009 he agreed the deal before the crash and the producers were amazed that he was still keen on being part of it this was a reality show based on interventions and the rehabilitation of people with drug addictions there was a moment in the show that caused adam to relapse and at the end of the day they put a recovering addict who just suffered a traumatic experience in the middle of a situation that unfortunately he didn't have the willpower to get through
1: That's so stupid. Someone should have known better.
0: Yep, he'd been sober for nine years before this relapse, and this is what led to his demise. Adam Goldstein was found dead on August 28th, 2009, in his New York apartment. I won't go into exactly what was found, but the medical examiner found over nine substances in his body, and his death was caused by accidental acute intoxication. Oh, wow. This all hit Travis really hard. He was also dealing with post-traumatic stress of the whole situation, the loss of his manager, but also extreme self-hatred and guilt, as his security guard, who was also his friend, Shay Still, wasn't really meant to be on that flight. Travis felt that if he hadn't asked him to go, he would still be alive, and that he felt responsible for this.
1: Classic survivor's guilt.
0: It's really sad. This changed Travis as a person. He kept up his vegan diet, he ran daily, he kept his health in good order, and he also got over the addiction to the painkillers he had leading up to the crash. He didn't use any pain medication when he got out of the hospital, and the doctors told him he would need to take them. He feared if he did, he'd be on them for the rest of his life. And how long would that be? Well, Travis doesn't travel by plane now. He prefers boats, like when he came to Europe on one of his tours. And he also has a really cool top-of-the-range tour bus, which really acts as a second home when he's on the road.
1: The road, not the sky. Even though you're more likely to die on the road than in a plane?
0: I can't say it's an irrational fear entirely.
1: Me either, I guess.
0: He released his solo album in 2011 called Give the Drummer Some. The name is a tribute to the ultramagnetic MCs from the late 80s, if anyone knows them, and that album is great. When I say solo album, he was on the drums and beats for the songs, but they feature artists, singers and musicians from all types of music.
1: Ah, I was just about to ask that.
0: Yeah, it's not 40 minutes of instrumental drumming. (laughs) In 2015, he dated the singer Rita Ora briefly and worked on a collaboration with BMX Bikes, where he released his own signature models. Cool. Travis also recorded the album California with Blink182 in 2016 with their new singer Matt Skibber from the Alkaline Trio. They had some internal issues in the band that forced Travis and Mark Hoppus to ask Tom DeLong to leave the band due to their differences. The band released their second album with this new lineup in 2019. During these crazy times of 2020, Travis has kept very busy, recording songs with his friends, other artists, he released some songs with Machine Gun Kelly, and he played a really cool set with Post Malone and two other band members over the summer. They covered Nirvana songs during a live web concert, which again received critical acclaim.
1: He's had quite the career.
0: He really has. All in all, he's faced his fears and he looked death in the eye. And like our other stories, he said, not me, not today, and got himself out of there. But apparently the memories of the whole incident haunt him to this day
1: i'm sure they do that was a great story and a nice bit of music trivia too there for a change i like it it's also our first story where they were a celebrity before the incident
0: it was and i really enjoyed telling it to you we'd love to know how much you're enjoying our podcast guys if you haven't left us a nice review yet it only takes a minute and we really appreciate the support don't be shy
1: yes leaving us a good review from your podcast app will be much appreciated you can find us all at the usual places too not Me Not Today podcast on Instagram and Facebook, Not Me Not Today PC on Twitter, and Not Me Not Today podcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. Until next time, stay alive.
0: Bye. Bye.